From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Today is Canada Day because both of our guests are coming from Canada. Terry was in Manitoba and Gabe of Libre Solutions as well as uh, somewhere in Canada. So we'll talk. We'll be talking privacy, surveillance, cybersecurity, all that sort of fun stuff. But first, some economic news. In the U.S., credit card delinquencies surged in 2023, indicating financial stress credit card and auto loan transitions into delinquency are still rising above pre-pandemic levels this signals increased financial stress especially among younger and lower income households welcome to the great reset to the neo-feudalism also report from husmanfunds.com quote we estimate that current market conditions now cluster among the worst 0.1% instances in history, typically followed by abrupt market losses of 10 to 30% over the next six to 10 weeks. That doesn't sound good. Uh, also, Tucker Carlson, I uh, just put out a video a couple hours ago saying, yes, yes, he interviewed, uh, he, he is going to interview or he already interviewed Vladimir Putin. That is going to be Interesting. I'm looking forward to that chat. Uh, Poland is preparing for war with Russia. And I will go with Michael O'Fallon's comment here. Uh, he does Sovereign Nations podcast. I love his work. He says, as the tide of public opinion is solidly against the global elite's plan for a coercive takeover of individual liberties and freedom, they're going to take us to the edge of blowing it all. In their scheme, they will spring the Thucydides trap in order to achieve the dominance of the East and Global South, no matter what the cost. It's a good day to be alive. Also, NATO, uh, this is an article from Katehan.com, a Russian former, I think, retired general, Leonid Savin, who, who's, who's, who does interesting analysis, which I've been reading for over a decade. He put out a new piece titled um, Discussing NATO's Exercise Steadfast Defender. And he says, according to Russian intel, the U.S. will have its own interests in this exercise, in particular simulating preventative strikes on the permanent silo bases of Russian strategic nuclear forces and an attack on infrastructure inside Russia and Belarus. And he says, Russian experts call this an imitation of World War III. And the military department believes that NATO is preparing for armed aggression against Russia this will inevitably require an appropriate response to contain and inflict irreparable damage to the enemy if NATO does risk entering into such a military conflict with Russia. While Moscow has not stated how exactly it will respond to the three-month exercise of the Western Alliance, it's clear that it will test the combat readiness of its Western military district in some capacity. That's in Russia, the Western military district in Russia. News today. Latvia reintroduces conscription to deter Russia from invading Europe. Are you are you noticing the trend? I was mentioning the other day how in my other homeland of Croatia, Croatia is reintroducing conscription, Serbia is reintroducing conscription, Australia is talking about it, UK, Germany, um, Latvia is doing it. Are you noticing a trend here? NATO member Latvia has reintroduced conscription to deter Russia from invading Europe, the country's foreign minister told Z. Telegraph, 
compulsory service came into effect at the start of January. Uh, they've reintroduced the draft. All male citizens aged 18 to 27 will be required to complete a year of service, including those living abroad. Um, I already mentioned before, Jim Rogers says we're heading for the worst crash of our lifetime, although he did tell me that on my podcast over probably like 10 years ago, but um, I think eventually it's going to be right. Um, New York Times publishes this piece. Fear and ambition propel Xi Jinping's nuclear acceleration. And there's a key piece here, which for some reason when I highlight, it it, it becomes <laughs> unhighlighted. But it's always in my Telegram channel. I, I know I can always go to my Telegram, which I curate daily, and I, I summarize the, the, the takeaway there. It says, Mr. Xi Jinping has expanded the country's atomic arsenal faster than any other Chinese leader. He's doubled the size of China's arsenal to roughly 500 warheads. And at this rate, by 2035, it could have around 1,500 warheads. And then you've got this piece from Foreign Policy. How primed for war is China? It's written by Hal Brands and Michael Beckley, who I've interviewed on my podcast and who doesn't want to talk to me anymore. I don't know why, probably because he's an establishment intellectual. And it feels like a bizarre world. I, um, they make the case that it's like China's going to start war when it's like, they even say in the article that the possibility that, that Beijing has not, a, has not fought a major war in 44 years. It's like, well, so yeah, China hasn't fought a war in almost half a century and America's like launched how many wars in the last two decades alone? So how is it that China is going to be the one that starts everything when it, we are the nonstop, you know, we're the empire going around the planet. So, but anyways, you got to know what these people are writing about and thinking about uh, and, and the narrative that they are forming and and shaping. It's all, it seems to be, it's going to be like a precursor to to the moves that they're going to make. Uh, also, Russia, China, and Iran unite for naval exercises in the Gulf of uh, Oman. So they're practicing as well. Um, we've also got, this is an interesting story, will satellite mega constellations weaken the Earth's magnetic field? They talk about Elon Musk's um, Starlink satellites. You can, SpaceX stuff, you can blame me because I, I do have a Starlink. <laughs> Starlink. Uh, and uh, basically they say, According to a new study, mega constellations of satellites could alter and weaken Earth's magnetic field. Uh, you, you, you may have heard uh, also singer Toby Keith uh, died from stomach cancer at the young age of 62. I wonder if he took the vax. Again, so many young people dying. And, and King Charles, of course, has reportedly has cancer. And I like Jackie DeVoy's comment. I think she was on TNT recently. She says, so the king has cancer. Announced on the same day, the new cancer vaccines are rolled out to the lab rats. Just in time for Charlie to give the jabs a try, miraculously recover, and push them on to all the idiots who believe a recycled COVID jab can cure or prevent cancer, a non-infectious condition caused in most instances by hypoxia at a cellular level and not something that will respond positively to mRNA shots. Is it a... PSYOP? Uh, also, if you love a good documentary, then you'll love our special screenings uninterrupted cinema features some of the latest or notable documentaries from the world's best filmmakers check out tnt's website for more information weekends are better when you spend it with us on today's news talk tnt delivering the facts source i can trust today's news talk radio tnt
newly released internal emails subpoenaed by the U.S. House of Representatives Judiciary Committee revealed that the Biden White House pressured Amazon to censor books that expressed views the White House did not approve of. So American. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. It's kind of like the Twitter files, except it's the Amazon files now. And I wonder what topic in particular uh, Amazon was pressured by top officials under President Joe Biden to censor. Oh, that's right. Things about COVID-19. Oh, what a shock. This again, huh? All right, let's take a look at some of these uh, from the beginning. Basically, uh, this is coming from Andrew Slavit, or maybe it's Slavit. Uh, Andrew Slavit, this is President Biden's senior advisor for responding to COVID-19. Uh, he wrote to Amazon on March 2nd, 2021, quote, who can we talk to about the high levels of propaganda and misinformation and disinformation of, I meant he means on Amazon, end quote. Oh, hmm. It just comes right out. Hey, who do we talk to? Uh, Mr. Slavit says in another message that officials had searched on Amazon for, quote unquote, vaccines. And he writes that, quote, I see what comes up. I haven't looked beyond that. But if that's what's on the surface, it's concerning, end quote. Zach Butterworth, another White House official, told Amazon that he searched, quote, the word vaccine on Amazon and found a certain book which he attached as the top result. Quote, when I click on the product page, I don't see any CDC warning, end quote. Ah, big problem. Uh, of course, CDC, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, that same day, internal Amazon emails show the company opted against carrying out, quote, manual intervention, end quote, in response to the White House concerns because it would be, quote, unquote, too visible, end quote, further compound the Harry Sally narrative, end quote. Say what? Well, Amazon had removed Ryan T. Anderson's book titled When Harry Became Sally, Responding to the Transgender Moment. Uh, they had done this just weeks earlier, uh, which sparked a flood of negative stories in the press because it, quote, framed LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness, end quote. Uh, the Amazon official said he or she had asked company employees to place a box directing people to the CDC's website on more pages. The official said officials were considering tar tagging content with labels like Facebook and Twitter do, but did not want to disclose that consideration to the White House, quote, to avoid boxing in, end quote. Huh. Another internal email explained that Amazon did not specifically address content about vaccines in its guidelines and that Amazon as a retailer, quote, provide our customers with access to a variety of viewpoints, including books that some customers may find objectionable, end quote. White House officials later met with Amazon officials, although it's unclear what was discussed at the meeting. We could probably guess. Among the questions the White House submitted ahead of the meeting was about a line in the Amazon guidelines that stated, stated, quote, we do not allow descriptive content meant to mislead customers, end quote. Uh, according to one of the emails, the White House asked, quote, doesn't this line in your policy include the spread of misleading information about vaccination, question mark? End quote. Uh, Amazon was also prepared to ask whether the Biden administra administration was asking the company to remove books 
or was more concerned about the order of listings in search results. Yep, turns out they were downplaying the search results, doing the same kind of stuff we saw Twitter and Facebook doing, Herbori. Not surprised. It's like meet the new boss, same as the old boss kind of story. But what do you think? So this is timely, you know, that where you mentioned here, and I, I did scan some of those emails where it said Amazon enabled a do not promote effort for anti-vax books whose primary purpose is to persuade readers vaccines are unsafe or infective. And then you can talk about, you know, whether the, the, the themes you can't touch, you know, the biosecurity state, big pharma elections, um, um, anti-war stuff, what wokeism rights and this sort of explains so i had on my podcast a few weeks a few weeks back J, J. michael waller who worked in the deep states he was uh with the cia uh he was with the contras in the 80s he wrote a book called the big intel how the deep state became villains primarily the fbi cia as well as the dhs and so i went to leave a book review i i i bought the kindle version I go to leave J. Michael Waller a book review for his big Intel book. And for the first time I experienced this, Amazon rejected my book review. I cannot leave like, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a book review. Like what, you know, I'm not saying anything related to COVID. And it said, you know, resubmit. And then I finally I resubmitted and they they finally published it. But I think this is what's happening because he's specifically saying how the deep state is woke, critical race theory, DEI, um, cultural Marxism, Amazon, this system you just described, they detected that and they're like, no, we're not going to let you submit the review. And so it's absolutely crazy what's what's going on, how shamelessly and openly totalitarian the current I don't understand like the people in the administration supporting this the people in big tech the voters are like okay with this americans this is not america this is i don't care left right whatever this is not normal your thoughts ruckus uh according to one of these officials uh they were saying that they uh, they the officials were feeling quote pressure from the white house end quote on the matter I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, this, these are Amazon officials. So they went to the meeting, right? And, you know, they did their thing before the meeting. And then they walk out of the meeting whistling the tune that, you know, whoever, the, the people who are applying the pressure want them to be whistling. They, they straight up came out that they were going to be taking a closer look at books, quote, related to max vaccine misinformation, end quote. And then check this out, of course, quote, and debating additional steps Amazon might want to take to reduce the visibility of these titles, end quote. So what is this pressure that they're feeling from the White House? What is the White House? What is our government threatening these big companies with? You know what I mean? I, I can I, I, Epstein anyone. I'm, I don't know, but I, you never know. Yeah, and you know, I, there's a mention of this tweet by Aaron Hariati, who who I've read. I've I've got his book right there in the background, the physical copy. Uh, you want to get the physical, and, and uh, uh, I interviewed him on my podcast. He said more evidence of the reach of the federal censorship Leviathan, not just social media, but also books on Amazon. And you know, I'm guilty of buying eBooks on my Kindle. Um, some books I buy physical, some Kindle. Um, I kind of like because I got to talk to so many people and read so many books. I just need the instant digital copy, and 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 often you know I kind of feel like life is short, ruckus. You know, um, it's fleeting. 
in some senses, knowledge is fleeting. So, you know, once I read the book, it's in here. Um, I don't need the physical copy, but uh, I guess for certain books, you do want to have the physical copy. Um, all right, Ruckus, uh, thank you for that. Uh, maybe I should ask Gabe about this. We got a uh, Gabe of Libra Solutions joining us. We'll be right back. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored news. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission, we've got Gabe of LibreSolutionsNetwork.substack.com. His mission is to educate people how to free themselves from the algorithm ghetto, as I call it. The dragnet surveillance and information control. How's life, Gabe? It's great, and I'm happy to be back here with you. It's always a pleasure. How are you doing on this basically Canada Day, as you mentioned earlier? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm recovering from I had some sort of bug, uh, and so, yeah, I'm slowly recovering. So th this week, you know, we take day by day, week by week. So this this day, this week, all is all is well, and um, so much is going on. Uh, and, and and sort of what, what what's happening in, in, in Canada world, in the tech world? What's interesting for you? Well, I believe we might have touched on it on my last appearance, but there is a bill being described as the most dangerous bill out there, S-210, which is a Senate bill we have here in the works being supported by our conservatives and opposed by our liberals because they have a online safety bill that is attempting to do effectively the same thing. There's there's reach arounds from either direction, but fundamentally it wants to push for mandatory age verification for, well, ostensibly porn sites is the justification. But the problem is, is that it, the legislation as written is so broad, it will apply to things like search engines and social media sites. So really any platform that has user generated content will be mandated to use likely one of the third parties that are going to be established for this thing. And there are many concerns with this particular bill, but a lot of the justification, because there was a phenomenal uh question and answer interview Michael Geist did with the senator who actually put forward the bill. And there was a bit of back and forth where 
she basically argues you should just trust them that, oh, we'll fix it in regulation. And if there's one thing we know for sure is that if the bill itself is bad, the just the regulation is not going to make anything better. So it's very worrying. And one of the initiatives I started to try to push back against that. And honestly, many other things that have been going on in cyberspace is I've launched a new website, Cyber Freedom Canada at cyberfreedom.ca, where not only do I want to push back against these awful bills in the tech space, but I also really want to teach people on how we can work together in a decentralized way that actually sets better boundaries for trust because i feel what has happened to a lot of the you know freedom organizations throughout the last couple of years is they kind of fall apart due to all kinds of different understandable problems and i think if you can lower the amount of work into a smaller manageable point we can actually have more people doing more together and really play to people's strengths you know artists can do art writers can look over documents and edit things. And the, you know, the thing I'm really looking forward to is it can be bilingual. I can show off some of the French version because in Canada here, we have two official languages, English and French. And if somebody wants to help me translate it, I am all, you know, I will move heaven and earth to help make that happen. That's for sure. Yeah. And again, people can check out your, your, your Substack, your website, cyberfreedom.ca, and they're trying to do the same thing in the EU. I, I, just one example of pushback when it comes to the green agenda. Um, I think yesterday, Ursula Gertrud von der Leyen, Frau Ursula, um, they said that they're not going to go along with the 50% cuts to the, I think, the subsidies for oh, wow. um, the, the, the fertilizer. And so the farmers pushed back. And so again, if we try to do the same thing with the digital uh, aspect, we could maybe have some success or at least buy some time uh, right. <laughs> for, for, for the algorithm ghetto. And, you know, when, when they say trust us, I don't know if you, you, you heard the story and get your thoughts on this. Ruckus and I were discussing on how the American government pressured Amazon to censor books. And, you know, the, the story I had, I, I interviewed this deep state guy and I Amazon would not let me um, leave a review for his book. And I think it's that same system that the White House was using um, to, to, to pressure Amazon. And it's just crazy here. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's why one of the things I think is one of the more crucial objectives for those of us wanting to reclaim territory in cyberspace is individuals need to set up their own websites. We do need non-commercial. We do need real passion projects to decentralize and democratize the information landscape. That is such a huge part of this because the platforms are going to be leaned on by government. We will never be able to fully expect every corporation to put you know, their existence ahead of the pressures of the time and so i think if we allow you know if we really push for people to have their own independent spaces as much as possible we can really at least have a better incentive to push those kinds of things away and i think when it comes to government leaning on platforms and institutions it really is only getting started i think people really underestimate how far it can go because up until this point you know for instance i reported on you getting uh, geopolitics and empire being platformed from spotify i believe you said soundcloud um, well just, SoundCloud, just one episode sorry, yeah Right. Just one episode. And the thing is, is that that's kind of them doing it themselves to cover their butts, so to speak. But when it comes to the age verification and the broad expansion of what's considered 
harmful or you know needs to be purged from the internet i am very concerned that these platforms are going to be directly managed by corporations kind of in the way we saw in the twitter files but that was not a one-off that is probably the operating policy moving forward if it is not actively opposed yeah and it's getting tiring you know gabe of hopping <laughs> from web host to web host podcast provider to podcast provider video host to video host you know youtube and i just i'm kind of like i'm just tired you know like i'm i'm ready to go sell tacos at the beach here in mexico or or, or something and yeah you know, i think i was i was looking at whitney webb's latest podcast she mentioned how the public version is on rockfin and soundcloud so i'm i gather she still uses soundcloud also like i do but um yeah, the company is based in Germany and they censored my chat with biotech consultants. So someone in the industry, yeah. right? Christy yeah. Grace. Um, and then there's no telling tomorrow they can delete more. And then and then if I transfer to another podcast host, uh, who's they might do the same thing eventually, right? Because I would think the majority of these platforms would be plugged into the system, no? Yeah, they're all fundamentally going to be regulated the same by these systems. And I think the most important thing for those of us in ostensibly democracies need to do what we can to reassert that governments do not have the right to actively manage these things and that corporations themselves shouldn't be actively policing what is legal and protected speech. But honestly, it even goes quite beyond that because there's the surveillance side of this. The censorship really does seem to be a justification to build an infrastructure that will control information on both sides of the supply and demand curve. You know, as you mentioned, by being kicked off, it makes it so hard to have to switch to figure out what you're going to do. And that really warps the markets because guess what? The people saying regime propaganda don't have that problem. And that saves them time, money, and effort. That is a very serious advantage that I think seriously warps the information landscape. When it comes to these kind of mechanisms, I believe governments are now, since they've normalized it within the COVID crisis period, they are now seriously pushing to really entrench the gains they secured by making people believe it is ideal to control the narrative fundamentally. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got, I, I'm cyanide built. I think we are going into this Orwellian <laughs> Brave New World dystopia, uh, and it's just going to be a wild ride. Uh, and um, I, and I, I take approach, I, I take a guerrilla approach as we say in in spanish uh decentralized be as decentralized as you can and as many platforms as you can so i just kind of shrug so that they took the audio uh of that uh podcast off so it's not on any podcast player anymore mm. right um spotify apple it's gone right but if you go to my website it's the the video versions are still there so still that's nice. that decentralized approach they take the audio but hey guess what i'm still on rumble rockfin brighton Bitch shoot, I can't even remember them all. Uh, and now on Substack. And so I think that that's the way we have to look at it going forward. It's time for our headlines, Gabe. We'll be right back. Now, 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 now. news. Big news. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The widespread farmer protests across Europe have led to the European Union leadership in Brussels, temporarily retracting key aspects of its green agenda aimed at achieving net zero emissions. Several migrants previously arrested in New York for assaulting NYPD officers in Times Square have been apprehended at a bus stop in Arizona. 
In Istanbul, near a courthouse, six individuals sustained injuries in what is being labeled as a terrorist assault, as stated by the Turkish Interior Ministry. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. All right, we're chatting with Gabe. His website's again, libresolutions.network, libresolutionsnetwork.substack.com. I see you were interviewed. I was beginning to listen to the episode Mindwalled. Uh, I guess you were just a guest <laughs> there. That that's not your yes. podcast. It's my friend who is also on the Fediverse. I've talked about the Fediverse a bit, decentralized social networking, and he's somebody who is very technical, arguably more technical than me in some ways, actually. And we had a great conversation about specifically the Fediverse, decentralized technology in general, and really what us as people who are actively working on these problems from the technological, purely technological angle, how we kind of see these problems, how we approach them, what we see going on in the free and open source software community, because that is an even bigger discussion to really zero in on at some point. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of people who when they see something and oh, this is open source software, that doesn't always mean it's perfect or pristine. And one of the things I think I might have cautioned in that particular episode where I was like, hey, switching to Linux is great. You will regain a lot of autonomy and make huge strides towards taking control over your own computing environment. But like anything else with extra power, there's more responsibility. And so one of the, I guess, fallacies that's out there is people are like, oh, so I'm free from all cyber threats. And fundamentally, all the same mistakes you can make on Windows to infect your own system do exist on Linux. You can still install software that does terrible things. But the advantage is, is that it gives you an environment where you can actually be in control. So if you're trying to avoid, say, something like Microsoft or Apple having access to your data on a proactive and active basis, at least you have the tools to restrict that. And that requires some learning, that requires some effort on the user's part and some diligence to make sure you're not making simple mistakes. But that's really one of the things that I liked about going on this mind-walled discussion where, yes, it does take a bit of learning to participate in some of these conversations, but I do think it is really valuable to think, honestly, the next steps. The public conversation can only go so deep. And once you dive deeper, you do need to take these issues more seriously in more detail. And I'm glad I was able to join my friend Theory to have that conversation. Yeah, just the other day, I, I re-downloaded it. I've got a de-Googled phone and one that's Googled. Mm. And um, I still use for some stuff. And I, I reinstalled WhatsApp. And I'm just thinking, like, should I use it or not? And I'm like, <laughs> why? I have survived years now without WhatsApp. Because, you know, there are certain people that are easier to reach uh, on that. Yeah. And so... Of course, I don't. I don't know, uh, and 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 uh, there are per particularly some interesting European guests that I can only reach through WhatsApp. So, but mm. uh, I I did want to touch on the the data shedding, uh, which you did a, again. People can check this out. This is from a, like a, I don't think we I don't think we talked about this about a month ago. You did a ten minute video on data shed shedding, and I'm thinking more and more about this. And, you know, just one example. I've got an old phone a OnePlus that I don't really use. There's like one app uh, on there that I need or something. And I, I fire it up, right? And then on my other phone or on the computer, when I'm using Twitter, an ad appeared for OnePlus. 
right on a separate device <laughs> so i was using my old OnePlus phone and then somehow there's this data shedding where they can figure out that i use the OnePlus and they know it's me the device id and then my other device they showed me the ad for maybe to buy a new OnePlus. and this is absolutely <laughs> insane and i think more and more i think this is one of the most important topics when it comes for us to try to trying to protect our privacy is is from the the data shedding metadata and and all this sort of stuff your your thoughts the state of mass surveillance is way like honestly incomprehensible to most people i saw the report by the irish council for civil liberties where they were talking about this process that i called data shedding because i was trying to emphasize that it is real time and pervasive and honestly kind of unintuitive how it works is that when you receive an advertisement, say you open a web browser and there's an ad that's loading, it's happening in real time, really quick in less than a second. It doesn't require your interaction. You visit that web page, you open that app, whether it's X, whether it's Google, whether it's Apple, regardless of what particular ad network is participating in this process, it is a system called programmatic advertising. And programmatic advertising involves an immense amount of information that is being leaked because what happens is they auction off that ad space in real time to buyers. Somebody wants to buy that space and they are, again, in real time conveying that information on, oh, I have a user right here on this system with whatever information that system may or may not have on you at the time to participate in creating that auction. And then the bidders will bid on it. And that's what presents you an ad. It's called programmatic advertising. You can look up how it works on YouTube. I tried to demonstrate why it's nefarious though, because while on the one hand, it's like, oh, this is simple. They are just buying ads. What's wrong with this? The problem is money flows in one direction, but information flows in the opposite direction. So if you have intelligence agencies or honestly just a nefarious ad buyer who is storing this information to repackage to other data brokers and data services and warehouses, it is quite possible to build profiles on people. And actually, where I found out about this report was on a Mastodon post by somebody raising the alarm that they had found a company that does you know, private national security services where they were building dashboards on people based off this information. And so the report by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties talks about Europe's security crisis where they actually found that European leaders, and they found even a Catholic priest, that could be blackmailed just on their advertisement, advertising metadata alone, which is terrifying to think about. And it's really practical because it means every time you interact with these systems, you are shedding data to this system or data beast, as I would really call it. Yeah, and you know we've talked previously about ways to protect ourselves from this. Your website is a great resource uh, as well. There's nothing perfect, as you mentioned, Linux, degoogled phones. I've mentioned before how the Mexican government and cartels here are using Titan software now in Mexico, where they can just punch in my name uh, and wow. find where I am, right? Uh, even if I have a degoogled phone, because they're using your SIM, the, the SIM service, the the, the cell towers uh and then they can have, figure out like I, I don't know fully if they have access to my bank account or they can see what i have in there or, or or just where i'm banking i think they can probably see what's in the bank account i mean it's just like there's nowhere to hide um well the the anymore. wild thing is i find 
one of the things that's really hard for people to understand this problem is that innocuous information put together can reveal very interesting patterns. Like they don't necessarily have to know your bank balance when simply they know how often you're checking it, which can imply how often you're getting paid, which can be associated with say your entire social graph, which is something they probably would have. And they could probably come up with a great guess. The, the thing with this level of real time surveillance and when you're doing it on a population scale, you don't need to be right in every instance, especially if you're not intervening in every instance. So I think when it comes to what kinds of information these data gathering systems can come up with, it is actually way more invasive than one would think based off the raw data points collected. Yeah, I, I um, totally agree. I mean, metadata, uh, they, they can almost get as much data with with that sort of stuff um, as if they had the, the, the direct um, access. And I don't know if you heard this story, uh, Lee Fang, uh, journalist was reporting on this, I think, today. Uh, Logical.ai, um, basically how companies like this, uh, now they're rolling out. It's this software that's, the way I translate it is that the intelligence agencies now are rigging elections. They're going to use Logical.ai with social media to determine what is disinformation, malinformation, is, uh, um, you know, which is true information that they don't, like and it's almost like there's no more democracy we've got the intelligence agencies embedded with social media um and you know people like robert epstein has proof that google sways by the millions you know elections whichever way that they want and so i just feel like we don't have any more democracy the intelligence agencies are running the show you know any thoughts on i don't know if you've um, looked into the logical AI or uh thoughts on elections and manipulation I'd like to look at those more closely in general, but I think to the degree this is a problem, this is an amazing rallying cry to really get involved. Because I would almost argue when it comes to the legacy media and how we all understand the problems with how the mainstream media operates, and now we're seeing how these data systems are being used to actually manipulate people on things that matter, now is the best time to think about proactively having important conversations with your friends and family and anyone you can get in touch with and really getting involved because I think how these systems operate is they rely on the people who can be swayed. If you actually understand the issues and have a stake in them and realize why you have a stake in them, you're not going to be swayed by just an advertisement reminding you that something is going on. And so if people take it upon themselves to generally educate those around them on the issues at least they find important, we can collectively absolutely outpower these top-down control mechanisms because I think where it gets kind of misleading is that this is all about cost and effort. I guarantee you it will not be possible to overwhelm most people being really active in understanding and having a real dialogue with their you know, friends and families and people they care about because it gets so much more expensive to do even more manipulation, more data gathering, all the more on top of that. Every little bit somebody does to counteract this top-down control makes it so much more complicated, so much more unfeasible. So I don't think it's hopeless. And especially when it comes to things like elections, people will argue elections don't matter. And I would push back against that to the degree that there are real policies put on the books that are used for justifications for all kinds of awful things. We can only imagine how bad it would be for a country during the COVID crisis if they had mandatory vaccination laws on the books. And so 
it was great that we had a lot of people pushing back. And I think the cost of liberty is the price of eternal vigilance. We have to be proactive about understanding issues, looking at them seriously with our proper due diligence, and more importantly, sharing what we can with others, which is where I fundamentally think we do need to up our game. We do need to th be innovative and think of new ways or even old ways that are really effective to get to to work on this process i think there is a lot we can do i don't think it's hopeless but i do think it's going to require a lot of work that somebody who kind of just want is hoping things will go okay it's 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 not that level of effort it is a significant level of effort yeah and it's just as an example here in mexico it's often the case when the government introduces insane legislation like um you know with the uh, vehicle emissions last year was the first time they implemented that you always get a, a crowd of mexicans that go down to the government building and start protesting like like crazy and you know mm. that that's a really good um example you know we had the example i think a year or two ago the nuevo leon governor samuel garcia who wanted to alter the state's constitution where it's like that meme from Saturday Night Live about Venezuela, <laughs> straight to jail, right? You you overcook, yeah. you undercook the fish, <laughs> straight to jail, uh, believe it or not. And he was saying, if you insult him on social media, you would straight get jail. 36 hours jail and a fine. And then there was enough noise about it where he was like, okay, okay, j just kidding. You know, he was like, I, I, I didn't see that article in the change of the constitution so um i mean right. that's i think that's one real world example of what you are talking about and it's time for our break again websites are uh libre solutions network.substack.com or libre solutions.network we'll be right back give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg by now you probably heard all about the two police officers in new york city's times square that were beaten by a gang of illegal thugs Four of them were arrested and released on bail, and they're now headed to California, and they're probably there by the border of Mexico already. But there's more to this, stuff we haven't heard yet until now. There is this one percenter, you know, criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here. These individuals, I went over their rap sheets yesterday, multiple charges, grand larceny, robbery, attempted robbery, grand larceny, grand larceny. Uh, this particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters. They were doing organized retail theft. They were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Uh, one of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. That's CNN's John Miller. He's a former NYPD deputy commissioner, and he wasn't finished. I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York, do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Great report. Keep us back on this. Is the silence of the CNN anchors says it all. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love. 
to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Critically analyzing global affairs, this is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, our final segment here, Time is Flying, uh, final segment with Gabe. Uh, subscribe to his Substack, libertasolutionsnetwork.substack.com. A lot of great resources when it comes to privacy, surveillance, cybersecurity, or uh, libertasolutions.network, if you prefer. He's got his RSS feed. And I saw you mentioned um, CJ Hopkins, right, who I've, I've right. interviewed at least twice. I think I interviewed him back in 2020, and he told me that my video interview with him was the first time he like did a video uh, interview, which is pretty wow cool. Uh, and you know he's American. He's been twenty years in Germany. He is he escaped just like me. I, I left in two thousand and six because uh, I realized America was a totalitarian empire on its decline, and I'm like I got to get out of Dodge. And he chose Germany, and I ended up in Mexico. But you know he tweeted that the, during COVID, during the the the, the Nazi COVID era. He called the German health minister a Nazi, if if you ask me rightfully so. And then on the cover of his book, um, he had a Nazi a swastika with the face mask. That art was created by Anthony Frieda, who I've also interviewed here on, on TNT. People can mm -hmm. check the archive. He does great work. Um, so he yeah. was acquitted, and the government had a week to appeal the acquittal, and they did. Uh, and so now uh, <laughs> he's not he, he's not. Um, He's not free yet, but it's just insane, you know, your, your, your thought on, on his case. Yeah, I think it is really quite a crucial case. It is definitely worth supporting if you can. I really do admire CJ Hopkins. I think one of the things he does really quite excellently is he will cut, you know, there's a lot of nuance and complexity to a bunch of different issues, but he will cut down to the truth on many different issues. And I do admire that about him. And he does it in a way that can be quite humorous. And that's something I might even envy a little bit. I don't think my writing is as funny and I certainly would like to be, but I, I think that might be outside my skill set. The thing is, is I think at least for Americans, it's really important to consider that many of us across the world do not actually have the same benefits when it comes to a strong First Amendment and protections for it in case law. I'm in Canada. C.J. Hopkins was in Germany. And it's quite tragic in the sense that in the name of censoring speech to prevent hate or other uncomfortable things, the truth is, is that these laws are now being weaponized and arguably have been weaponized for some time to really shut down on any dissent. If you can slander like Trudeau did at the convoy that, oh, we saw a flag there, therefore you're all horrible people, is really just terrible. And you see it even now where there are many protests about what's going on in the Middle East and there are people calling to ban various gatherings. And hey, whether or not you have a dog in that fight, I think it is something we have to be very careful about on what we are allowing governments to limit in terms of our expression. And so CJ Hopkins case is really important because it affects us all, whether or not people in different countries are allowed to speak out about issues and dissent against policies that are 
kind of being done in lockstep all over the world does shape the discussion. Because unless it's got to be only Americans pushing back against things, that may end up being the case if the, this marches forward. Or instead, Americans can use the First Amendment that they have and the strong protections for it to not only appreciate it for what the boon it is for their society, but also to really take a serious look at some of these issues and how speech is controlled across the world. Because it is really easy to be like, oh, well, the censorship won't get that bad, but it does across the world. CJ Hopkins, ironically, from what I remember him talking about his case, was not even censored for the cover, it being on the cover of his book, but because it was a tweet of the cover of his book, which is really just kind of absurd when you think about you're not allowed to criticize this crazy ramp up of actual totalitarianism and if you dare compare it to historic totalitarianism they effectively create a monopoly on it you're only allowed to call what convoy supporters nazis now like that's honestly abhorrent and it's tragic to see the loss of free expression in many countries where we arguably do have a broad right to express ourselves. The challenges is that the exceptions have now been widened by all these different, I kind of see them as pro bars. You know, this bill S210 I mentioned at the start of the show about how they just want to add ID verification to the website. That is a crowbar that will allow for censorship and control because it'll mandate site blocking. And if we think it's just about pornography, I think CJ Hopkins trial is a perfect example of how speech policing will be used in every context possible by states and governments, especially when it impacts their policies. I was just thinking, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to be with CJ in the algorithm ghetto in the cyber <laughs> gulag in the electronic yeah. concentration camp. Good company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, and it's, it's always so in your face Orwellian war is peace. Men are women today, right? Boys are girls. Two plus two equals five. And the whole point during COVID, I bought right behind me $10 on eBay from an antique dealer in Italy, the Nazi Achnen Pass, which was used to prove your biological purity that you oh, were wow. Aryan. And I bought this during COVID. And, huh. and I there's the separate one that's specifically the Nazi Health Pass. And I'm like, that's what the COVID pass was. And... The whole point of using the, the the Holocaust or the Nazi regime was to appreciate the, the history and the dangers of what happened there, right? To warn of this new budding totalitarianism, which is how it's supposed to work. You're not denigrating um, the Holocaust. <laughs> right. Holocaust. You're actually honoring it. The, the, I mean, what what happened there? The the, the tragedy. And in reusing it to war, they said never again. That's the whole point. Never again, which we need to remind ourselves. So what's happening right now? It's these are the, the early stages, and so um, there's that, that. And then you know, uh huh. That reminds me of an excellent documentary series I saw on Children's Health Defense. The Never Again is Now Global, specifically really explaining that comparison when it comes to the COVID totalitarianism. And I do think if one has doubt, that is a good resource to start opening your mind to that possibility but on top of it i am wholeheartedly behind you you know i remember growing up and you know holocaust education was part of my upbringing and it was staggering seeing canadians kind of go into lockstep with this i'm like what were we warned about if it wasn't that this total top-down control could override people's rights and that we're not supposed to let it happen I don't know. I was staggered. It was it was it was shocking on all kinds of levels. And I really do hope 
that moving forward, this kind of gets rid of the spell for people. I do hope people really do recognize what the warnings actually are and learn from them because at least now we have a more recent and relevant reminder for people who may find it too too distant in the past i guess you can make real comparisons and it is important to keep in mind that people do suffer under tyranny you know tyranny is not this abstract sad thing that makes you know rich people upset or whatever somebody on the you know far left would kind of call it no it is a real human tragedy that has real consequences and does cause an immense amount of suffering so just because somebody can want to grab power to solve what they consider problems you know this is where i'm worried about some aspects of the right becoming a little totalitarian because they're like oh well if our enemies are going to do it to us why 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 be any better and i would hope that people would recognize that this kind of ability to protect each other's human rights is something i consider an obligation for all of us and i really hope that people consider what kind of world they want to bring in and the naysayers don't know history i was making the point as a history major former professor and teacher it's like you know i um ibm created the first paper computer for hitler for the holocaust ibm was creating uh working on the COVID digital pass um you know, on and on. Rockefeller was uh, advising Hitler on his eugenicist policies. Uh, Rockefeller was working on the COVID policies, the foundation, you know, um, the, the health pass. Nazi Germans had the health pass. We had the COVID health pass. It's like literally the same stuff, but we got three minutes left. And, you know, I was going to mention as well other stories how Russia is, is clamping down as well. Uh, recent report that ban on advertising vpn services to take effect march 1st in russia so russia's coming after vpns uh and also this story these stories now um this recent one regarding mark zuckerberg and facebook where it says that um zuckerberg's secret weapon for ai is your facebook data uh so they're going to be using your face anything you put on facebook and instagram and then i was reading google as well google ai is not going to sift through if if you use gmail they all of the text in your 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 emails documents if you're using google docs images videos they're gonna have all of that we've got two minutes left you know your your, your thoughts on um ai how it's going to sift all of our info now well, I really would want to double down specifically when it comes to all the different aspects of this problem. Do not comply applies to technology as well. If you are opting into many of these technological systems and give constantly giving over information, there is a cost to doing that. Truthfully, I have reservations about being on Substack. I do think it is an excellent tool to allow me to reach a certain audience. And I think that has been very successful. But there is a reason why I maintain a great deal of my content, if not all of it, on my website, on uh, I might have my own peer tube hosting. I want to demonstrate that it is possible to be at least as sovereign as possible. And I think every step towards that direction when it comes to your own information you're trying to collect, but also information about you when it comes to privacy, those are very important goals. Oddly enough, speaking of Substack, I think it's very easy for people to get stuck into the same kind of traps. I, I shared this post by Steve Kirsch where he was asking people to build, I forgive me what it was named. It was called X transfer or something. It had X in it, which is its own red flag for me these days. And he's really like, oh, let's build a blockchain system to solve authentication and money transfers and whatever. And I don't actually want an open source everything app. I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is people actually taking 
time to take control over their digital autonomy and then figuring out the solutions from there. All right, we are out of time. Uh, again, tell us 40 seconds the best places where we can. It's, it's always great chatting with you. Hopefully you'll join us again soon. Tell us where uh, we can find you uh, in the metaverse. Yes, thank you. I'm at librasolutions.network and I, of course, have my substack at librasolutionsnetwork.substack.com. I also have a Peertube at peertube.librasolutions.network and I also am on the Fediverse, but that will be for another time. Thank you all and I'm very pleased to be here. Always great chatting. I, I pronounce it as libre, libre, like in, in, in Spanish. Um, uh, all right, <laughs> Steve Malsberg is up next. Stay tuned. Be seeing you.